Hello, brothers, and welcome back to KKSI Presents. I'm your host, Banco, National Vice President for Student Affairs. I am very incredibly grateful for the opportunity to be part of this production. And of course, I couldn't do any of this on my own. I have some amazing help from, from our national communications team, from our very bright and amazing student advisory committee, and a special shout out to our editor, who's been ever so constant and diligent um, with his work on KKSI Presents, Ryan Smith. So for those of you who are returner listeners, welcome back, and thank you so much for your support. For those of you who are joining us for the first time, welcome to our show, which really do appreciate you taking the time to join us today and listening in. This podcast, of course, is brought to you by Kappa Kappa Psi, National Honorary Band Fraternity. The purpose of this series is to provide some insights, some helpful tips, suggestions, and to, from time to time, showcase the different voices of the Brotherhood in a hopefully entertaining fashion and or meaningful way that will hopefully keep you coming back. So usually for these episodes, I try to bring in a guest or a panel of some sort to discuss something, something important, something that's happening. And uh, I've had about three different plans for what we wanted to do throughout the summer. Uh, we had our original plan, plan A. Uh, then we had plan B because of COVID. We had uh, plan C because we uh, finally got used to everything and, and, and had adapted. And now with everything happening, with the, the murders of our of, of black Americans and everything happening with George Floyd and so many more individuals, and just the, the injustice, the inequality of our society. I wanted to change up the focus of this of this episode. So I'll preface and say that um, I'll get into things that may trigger individuals, may open up some wounds for others. And I just want to preface that. So, to start off this episode, I just wanted to say to our black brothers and sisters, members of the black and African community, African-American community, that uh, I and so many others cannot fathom the pain and hurt frustration that you are going through. In, in addition to that, to be very clear that myself and so many others do not fully understand what you are going through and that we are sorry, that I am sorry that you're going through this and that it has been this long for people to really take action. I wanted to also make sure that I give everyone an, a recap of things that have happened so far and what actions have been taking place and steps that we have taken and just to give everyone a, a good understanding of what has taken place so far. 
So the first thing I wanted to go over and highlight some some things here um, through these different messages and statements. Um, a message of solidarity was released on May 31st by the national president of KKSI and Top 80 Sigma. So highlighting some parts here for you. During these concerning times, Kappa Kappa Psi and Top Beta Sigma stand in solidarity with the black and African-American community and with all of our brothers and sisters of color. Your lives, your health, and your safety matter. We encourage all of our active and alumni members to reflect upon the missions and ideals of our organizations. Remember that our rituals direct us to care for each other without reservation, and they show up. Then they show us that compassion and love are essential to our lives. Sisters and brothers, we want you to know that we hear you. We recognize and share your anger and your fear. We also recognize the contributions African Americans have made to advance the art of collegiate band music, both culturally and historically. As we look to the fall semester, the national leadership teams will continue to focus on providing support to our chapters and alumni, banding together to tackle the difficulty and uncertainty that lies ahead. Additionally, our joint national leadership will work to continue conversations and programming surrounding diversity and inclusion in order to reinforce and strengthen environments that align with our values and purposes. So again, this was released on May 31st, a message of solidarity. And as we're going through this, you know, I'm looking through some of the, the responses, some of the questions, um, and some of the questions we've got or some of the statements that um, responses we've got to this is, you know, why are we talking about brothers and sisters of color? This is about the brothers and sisters of our black and African American community. And I thought that was really eye-opening. I thought that was important to, to read, to hear, and to acknowledge. Another question that we received is, why wait until fall? Why, why wait until fall to um, focus on providing support for our chapters? And what I'll say is, from my take on this, is that it's more of planning for the fall, not waiting until the fall. As we're looking ahead, looking at the big picture. But I, I, I think it's also important to acknowledge and to say that, yes, that, that is right. Like, we should be looking at the now and what actions we can take now as well. So some of the questions we got was like, all right, great. What what does that look like? How are we going to, to do this? What programming is there? What conversations are we going to be, to be having? I think those are important questions. So again, that's from a message of solidarity on March 31st. The next statement that was released was on June 3rd and highlighting some parts here for you. Kappa Kappa Psi National Honorary Band Fraternity condemns any and all actions rooted in hateful beliefs and rhetoric. There is no place for hate in our, organ in our organization. Hate and discord have no place in our organization. We are a fraternity centered on our relationships with one another through our shared experiences of making music and our ritual. It has never been more important for our brotherhood to stand in support and solidarity with our black brothers as we live our ritualistic values in action every day. And again, hate and discord have no place in this organization. 
and we live our ritualistic values in action every day. Okay, great. That was poetic. It was nice to hear. Hey, some, some of the comments that I, I've, I'm repeating, some of the comments that I've seen is that great. These statements, it's a great start. But what does that mean? How, how are we going to move from this? What, what actions are we going to take? So again, um, that is a statement that was released on June 3rd. Next, on June 6th, a post was made um, about a, uh, an article or um, a blog post um, that essentially shares different resources and answers questions that we've been receiving from our students and from our chapters. And I'm going to highlight something from the post here. Our national leadership team is working to better educate ourselves in equity, diversity, and inclusion and turning our words into action. We are listening to our members, reflecting thoughtfully and taking a critical look at our operations and programming, recognizing that we all need to work to make needed changes to create a more diverse and inclusive fraternity and the band movement as a whole. So I thought that was I thought that was good. Right. How do we turn our words into actions? How do we go beyond social media posts? How do we, how do we go beyond statements? Right. Very much in alignment with a lot of the comments, a lot of the uh, responses we've been receiving. So, again, those are three statements, three messages. Um, and the one I just read to you was on June 6th. But the thing I really wanted to highlight here to take a deeper dive into um, was the blog post that this uh, was uh, this was talking about. So the, the blog post is, is on the podium online. And uh, it's titled Social Advocacy as a Brother of Kappa Kappa Psi. And uh, I, I think this is a, a, a good piece here for, for chapters to look at, um, for brothers as individuals to look at. Um, but I think the most important thing is to sit down and discuss with one another. And maybe not physically right now, but still utilize your, your, your meeting times to prioritize these questions the, and to strategize about how you want to turn words into action and how we can create positive change um, on the local level. So some of the questions here I wanted to highlight for you. Can my chapter be involved in a protest or organized march or activity? The answer is yes. When advocating, our organization does have restrictions because of our tax code on promoting speech that is politically biased or partisan. But the ultimate decision to participate should be made as individuals. So again, to answer that question, can my chapter be involved in a protest or organized march or activity? The answer is yes. But be careful because of the um, be, just be careful not to be politically biased or to uh, play into any partisan messaging. Something that I've had to really think about and just really play back and forth is I, I, I understand this political bias and partisan being careful about that. Um, and, and, you know, I, I've seen a lot of comments about this as well. And, uh, and I think the national council would agree with you that this is not a political argument, right? This is not, this is a human rights thing. But also we have to make sure that we're looking out for our chapters, looking out for the organization as a whole, by making sure that we're keeping that messaging very clear and not trying to add in any of that political nature messaging um, and keeping a focus on the human rights aspect and, and the quality aspect and 
um, being focused on the brothers and sisters of the uh, black and African-American community. The next question is, how can my chapter be involved in donations to other organizations? The response is individual donations are not an issue, but chapter donations should be voted on and approved and approved by the DOB, whether they are centered on our missions or not. The only restriction on where your money can go is um, that we cannot donate your chapter f our chapter funds to what to organizations um, called five to seven organizations, which are basically political advocacy advocacy groups that express um, some sort of political or or um, partisan um, loyalty um, to for a particular uh, election or candidate or party. So again, um, individual donations are not an issue. Uh, just make sure that if you are donating as a chapter that you do vote on it and that it is approved by the DOB. Next question, where can we donate or use our financial resources? And here I'm just, there's a list here that I'm just going to read off to you. And I, I think it's important to just be very frank with this is, you know, where, where can these things go? Well, Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. You can donate to um, HBCUs and their brand programs, organizations that support diversity and inclusion in composition, performance, and music education, campus or local organizations that promote diversity and inclusion, and also, very simply, support black-owned businesses in your community. I thought that was very simple, very powerful as well. Um, as I've been spending time, my, you know, my days and my time, in the streets here in D.C. trying to figure out what ways I can be better. I can be a better advocate. I can be a better ally. And as I'm speaking to some of these um, organizers and some of the, um, the leaders on the ground here, um, people keep going back to you don't have to do these big gestures. You don't have to make these big statements. You back up what you're wanting to do with those small actions each and every day. And the way that you could do that is to support the, the black owned businesses uh, within your own community. And to me, I thought that was very powerful because that's not something that I've really have thought about. It's not something that I distinctly say I need to do this. Um, but to me, now that I'm thinking about it, now that I, I've digested it a bit here and reflected on it is that that is very powerful, right? I, I'm, I'm actively choosing to utilize my funds, my money, to show my support uh, financially to an organization where not only am I supporting their business, I'm helping support, you know, their family um, and, and whatever it is that, you know, that business is, is, is meant for. So, again, do your research to see what local uh, black-owned businesses are within your community that you can support. Um, and then I think the most important thing here um, for this blog post on the podium online is, um, you know, what are some books or resources that I can start to educate myself with? So um, there's many different resources here that you can click. I, I highly suggest you to take take a look um, and, you know, take a look and just see what you can what you can start to um, intake, what you can start to uh, read, watch, learn. Um and I wanted to uh, wanted to shout out um, 
the uh, TBS vice president for special um, projects, uh, Siobhan Wilkes here, uh, you know, who helped the author put together this list and added a lot of, of, of uh, great resources. So, you know, the list starts out with some excellent books. There are also, um, you know, free online courses that people can take. There's also videos that you can watch. There are you know, educational resources uh, that are focused on college students and educators and podcasts even. So again, check it out. It's on the podium online. So with all that being said, with all that, you know, I have taken a lot of time to myself and to really try to figure out like, all right, I can read these statements. I can post on social media. I can educate myself. And I think, in a way, you know, that, that, that is action. That's, that's, uh, that's a step. But how can, I, how can I do more? How can I take that action or take the words that I'm learning, the things I'm learning, and, and create positive change? And something I keep coming back to, something I often see, is how can, how can somebody be um, an advocate or an ally? Or how can someone, someone practice allyship? So this article I found... Um, it's you know a guide to how you can support marginalized communities by Harmeet Kaur um, from CNN. Um, and something um, I'm just going to read this article here for you a bit by bit here is each time these incidents happen, and he's referring to the um, the recent murders of members of the black communities here. Um, each time these incidents happen, many of us are left wondering what we can do to support our African-American friends beyond anguished online posts in a real and meaningful way. He goes on to, to say um, it's one way you can do that is, is to be an ally. And an ally is a person who is not a member of a particular marginalized group, but seeks to help end the oppression of those in another marginalized group. And this here, being an ally, it's a constant process. Allyship can mean different things to different people, and it can be tough to know where to start. And I was like, yes, as a reason, yeah, I don't know where to start. I don't know. I, I don't know what to do. Um, I want to help, and I, I'm hurting for our brothers and sisters, and you know, members of, of the black community. And I know so many others are as well. But where do we start? So this, this guy goes on, the first thing is to do, do your research, right? To do your research. Um, and I thought that was great. I was like, okay, I, I, I've been doing my research. I can continue to do my research. Um, you know, do what you can to educate yourself before you ask others to explain to you. And that, that was powerful. Now, there, there are a wealth of resources available to you online. Um, and something that I thought was uh, really powerful as I was doing my research, uh, trying to educate myself, um, there's this video um, on YouTube, uh, and uh, this gentleman, he's a football player, um, and he goes through and he talks about um, it's, it's it's titled "Uncomfortable Conversation with a Black Man," and he, he essentially shares, uh, and I, I've, I've heard this repeated many times throughout the these past weeks is you when you're asking a black person about these situations what are you asking for what's the purpose of you asking are you asking for their experience are you asking because you care are you asking for them to solve your problems are you asking them for solutions 
And to me, that was really powerful. It's like, you know what? Sometimes I myself forget when I'm asking that I am so focused on the, on the, the problem, the issue that I forget about the person and being there for them and just practicing empathy and, and really showing my love and care for them. And even though I do love and care for them, I, I'm so focused on that solution that sometimes we overlook that heart, right? The human aspect of it. So this leads me to the, the next thing here is, the, you know, to reach out, to offer your support and comfort. And, it's, you know, sometimes it's not always well received. It's it's not always welcome because sometimes when people are hurt, they they may not want you to be there. It may be embarrassing or they may feel some guilt or it just may be too painful. So just know and be okay with that. Sometimes it's not going to be well received. The next thing is ask questions when needed. I think it's important to, to point out that we are all learning and we're constantly learning and that's okay. And it's okay to ask questions, but also be mindful of who you're asking, right? Don't lean too heavily on people of color, right? And it's particularly in this situation that we're in right now, the, the, the state of everything that's happening. Don't lean too heavily on black brothers and sisters um, to be your experts, right? Don't, expect people to speak on behalf of the entire community. Um, the experiences are going to be different. Um, it's, and it's also best that the person that you're asking um, is someone you already have a solid relationship with and be, be prepared to accept that some people may not want to discuss those things with you because uh, you know there are things that we may not experience. So we don't know the depth of the pain, the trauma and the, the wounds that, it, that could open up by, by asking these questions. So again, being okay to ask questions, but also being okay that sometimes that person may not want to talk about it. Next thing, and this kind of ties back to doing your research, is just brush up on history, asking how did something like this happen? Right? When another police encounter turns deadly, can come across as tone deaf to communities who have been dealing um, with entrenched systems of repression, make sure that you're up to speed before you weigh in. Uh, something else you can do is to influence to uh, to influence people uh, in your own group, um, and by this I really think you know the your your close friends, family members, people within your chapter. So talk to the people in your life, uh, particularly those that share the same identity identity as you. Um, educate your friends and family about how systems of oppression affect uh, members of the black and African-American communities um, and hold them accountable for their words and actions as well as the roles they may play in those systems. And that's not always easy. Right? That's not, that's, yeah, that's just not easy. Um, I had a very difficult conversation with my mother. Um, you know, she essentially told me not to go out. Um, not to post anything on social media because, um, you know, it could affect me professionally. It could uh, affect me personally, you know, with friends and such, and it could just upset people. And I had to really, you know, in a way, hold her accountable and, and reframe the conversation to that. This is that's not what that that's about. And if, if I care more about that, you know, she should be really disappointed in me. Um so again, you know, it's not always easy, but trying to influence people in your own group and holding them accountable as a way to be an ally. Next is to teach those that are younger than you. If you have children in your family, um, or maybe if it's even a little, a fraternal little brother, or it maybe it's, you know, incoming freshmen, having those conversations with them. Um, 
and just be explicit about how racism and other forms uh, of discrimination affect our community as a whole, our band community, our university, our campus, our band program, our chapter. Um, and just let them know that it's important to notice differences and to, to stand up for each other. The next thing, and this is going to be very hard for a lot of people too, is to own up to your mistakes, right? If you say something wrong on social media, you like the wrong post, you repost something, you say something to a person that's that's insensitive, own up to your mistakes. Now, allyship is a process. And along the way, you're sure to do or say something wrong. Probably more often you would like to admit, uh, same thing with myself here, right? So now and then you're, you're going to say or do something wrong. The focus on not getting defensive. Take responsibility for your slips, up, your slip ups, and just move on. Focus on moving forward um, and learning from it. The next big thing here is just to listen. And by listening, you know, what does that mean? Does that do I just stand there and, and just take what people are saying? Well, part of that is to acknowledge your privilege. Right. So a critical part of being an ally is recognizing the benefits and power you have in a society because of the identity you were born with. So be self-aware and be willing to go against others who share your privileges. The next thing is to simply pay attention. Right, pay attention. Recognize um, how prejudice, discrimination, and oppression are being denied Um being, being uh, denied, uh, minimized, or justified, right? Um, I see this often, uh, again, within families and, and, and uh, within community members standing up for each other. And um, there's something that my mom always uh, shared with me growing up is, you know, you always make excuses for your loved ones. But at the end of the day, is that hurting them? Is that helping them or hurting them, right? We're making excuses for those that we love um, and those who are close to us. So, um, you know, pay attention. Recognize how prejudice, discrimination, and oppression are either being denied, uh, like it's not happening at all, it's being minimized, like it's not a big deal, or justified, like, oh, uh, you know, this is deserving. Uh, Next is no one to talk less, right? This isn't about you, you, need, you don't need to comment on every situation to share your perspective or go out of your way to prove how uh, aware or how woke you are, right? Uplift others without speaking for them. Let others have the microphone for a change. And I think this is, I mean, this to me, I was like, this blew my mind. I was, you know, like, so, and we see it so often on social media as well. Because, you know, there are groups who, who want to help, um, but in a sense, there's just need to, to prove how woke people, how woke they are, or to stand up for, for everything. And again, sometimes you end up speaking for people, you, you end up speaking over people, um, and that's, that's not really helpful. All right. The next thing here is to understand others' experiences. Instead of offering up your own thoughts, listen to people who are marginalized um, when they tell you about their experiences, frustrations, and emotions. Sit with that for a while. And to me, that is uh, – it's really reflective of um, a big part of uh, Brene Brown's book um, and you know, talking essentially about when we want – when we're practicing empathy – what does that look like? I mean, sometimes it, it doesn't mean like when someone is in a dark place, it doesn't mean being a hero and turning the lights on right? because the person they may not be ready they may not 
just they may not be ready for for that. So being able to sit there and be vulnerable and to listen and share their experience and just to be in that moment with them. So uh, this article um, had broken up how to be an ally. So the first part we went over is to reach out. The next was to, to listen. Uh, the next part here is to stand up, right? Build networks. Um, and you can't, you, know, you can't advocate, you can't ally and create positive change just doing the work alone all the time. You need to find other allies. You need to see, you know, uh, other people who can hold you up and who can keep you accountable. Uh, so this means working with different individuals, different organizations. But you know, it's it's not healthy to go at this by yourself. The next is to use your privilege to help others. And it can be scary, uh, but it it and it does require taking risks. Um, to call out injustice and discrimination when you see it. Um, you know, something that you can do is to intervene when you see instances of racism or other situations that look unsafe. So there's also the five D's of bystander intervention that I think would be very powerful for, for people to look at. So this is this includes de-escalation of the issue, calling others for help, checking in with the person involved, speaking up and documenting what's happening. So if you're serious about this, I definitely would think, you know, uh, utilizing the five D's of bystander intervention, uh, talking about that, discussing that within your chapter, and how you can implement that as individuals uh, would be very powerful. Next is to know your rights when you are videotaping. Um, I don't know enough about this. I won't get into legal talk. So, you know, do your research about that. Uh, voice your concerns to those in power. This means, and this is what many people have been doing, sharing their thoughts and concerns with the National Council, um, going to your district officers, your, your governors. Um, and this could be your DOB. This could be, um, you know, local politicians and um, whoever, you know, whoever's in authority that, that, that can influence change and, and help you create change. That's it's really important for you to be consistent um, in, in letting them know your concerns. Um, stand in solidarity. March alongside people from marginalized groups in protests and demonstrations. Uh, quite honestly, growing up, never have done this. Um, I heard lots about it. Um, heard lots of uh, horror stories uh, from from my family. Uh, you know, growing up in in different countries. Um, so I'm really just learning about how to how to protest and how to uh, be a part of a demonstration. And I will say it's very powerful. Um, it's, it's very eye opening to see the hurt, the pain, uh, but also the, the sense of pride and hope in people who are demonstrating that it's, you know, it's directly affecting. So uh, I think that's, that's very powerful. Uh, and of course, donating your time and money, uh, like we discussed earlier. The last thing here that I wanted to go over with you all, um, I pulled this. Um, I don't know if you have looked at the Black Lives Matter website, but there are incredible resources. Um, of course, these resources are a little bit more directly for the chapters, the Black, Life, Black Lives Matter chapters uh, across the, uh, the U.S. Uh, but I think it's also very helpful because it gives us insight to what this organization is doing why they are doing it and giving us this insight to how they operate so that we can better look at what 
you know, when, when people ask for change, when people ask for action, sometimes I, I have to, you know, I have to ask back. I have to ask for clarity. Like, well, wh- what are you looking for? What does that look like? Um, because the last thing I would I would want to do is to create change policies that would either make things worse or just don't help at all. Right. It's not really focused on the problem. It's not really focused on fixing what the main issue is. So um, I think it's always really important to look at how organizations are dealing with this uh, on a day to day basis are fighting um, or, you know, working towards a solution on a day to day basis, how they are, you know, what they clarify is action, how they um, develop their game plan, their um mission and, and, and vision and all this. So um, there's a resource, uh, many resources, but the one that I pulled for you all today uh, was really talking about healing justice and um, something that, uh, so I'm just going to read through this for you to hopefully give you and your chapter a little bit of an overview for you to look more into. Um, so from this resource, um, it says the concrete questions are, one, how can you prepare and integrate healing justice into direct actions? And two, how can we institutionalize healing justice into the culture of our chapters? Some of the ideas in this toolkit may not feel like second nature to us all, and it may even feel like we're taking time away from the actual work of organizing. There are so many reasons why supporting ourselves and each other um, in these ways might not feel comfortable. But healing justice is the work. Taking care of ourselves and each other is how we live more fully in our principles and values. And I thought that was really powerful. I, I, I think that a lot of times there comes a lot of shame and a lot of um, pressure internally for us to continue to do, do, do. Um, and of course, there, there is burnout. Um, and to take a look at how from the Black Lives Matter packet here, it says that taking care of each other and ourselves is the work so that we can show continue to show up as our best selves and continue to continue fighting the good fight. So the, um, the way that this is broken down is into three main parts. The first part is preparing for action. Um, it says here, in the preparation for direct action, we often get singularly focused on our targets, our messaging, and all the logistics that come with organizing our people into the streets. We often get sidelined, uh, or what often gets sidelined are the emotional, psychological, and spiritual aspects of our work that go that impact our ability to stay rooted in our fullest selves. So um, when, when the, the pack goes over um, how to prepare for the action, the, you know, there's things like centering, centering and, and grounding and uh, give some insight into what are some grounding exercises like, um, you know, chanting, check-ins, box breaths. It's also talking about visioning, taking the time to remember and reaffirm the vision, um, to refocus on what the problem is um, and how the organization can uh, incorporate the different voices, um, how to listen, how to uh, check in throughout the process itself. Um, here, you know, it talks about organizing community and support resources and, you know, many different resources here in different organizations that they list. 
the, so going from preparing for action, the packet goes into during and action. It states here, as we've noted earlier, trauma can sneak in and take over in high-pressure situations. Uh, trauma exacerbates the stress in, of coordinating uh, an action and staying present and grounded while in the midst of action. Tracking and addressing fluctuating needs in the midst of action is critical, yet challenging. So it gives some insight into how to go about this. Right? Talks about assigning roles, um, questions for the point person to consider. Um, you know how to make sure that people are are fed and, and hydrated, and, uh, and you know how you can pull in the community and utilize and leverage community resources and support. So, for example, uh, during the action. So again, you know the, these past week or so, um, in, being in the streets in D.C., I was just dumbfounded. I mean, I thought I was just marching. Um, I thought I was there to, to, to be part of the protest and demonstrate. I did not think that I would, I was going to get help from, from community members as well. You know, I, I packed snacks, I packed uh, a water bottle. Um, but I was out there all day and uh, you know, uh, I don't ever wear sunscreen and I, for the, you know, one of the first few times in my life I, I've actually burnt. Um, but there were organizations out there that were providing medical care that were providing free water bottles, food, were providing shelter. Um, and then the, the, the more and more we got into um, these protests and demonstrations, uh, local businesses started opening up their doors for AC, for restroom, for restrooms. Um, you know, local uh, restaurants were, were giving out free food. Uh, people were making sure that there were masks to hand out and hand sanitizers to, to hand out as well. So really, really powerful. Um, um, ways to, to look at how you can take direct action. Uh, the next thing here is following an action, restoration and resilience. So uh, talks about here, um, when, you, when, when you're looking at restoration, restoration and resilience, it's not just something that we um, incorporate into our work during direct action um, or crisis. It's really about how you can utilize um, the results or the momentum of the action to lay a foundation um, for the practice of healing and the practice of, of, of justice and the practice of um, equality and equity. Um, so they talk about here in trauma research, resilient practices are often are those which restore us, bring, um, bringing us back into a motivated um, and committed framework. Uh, resilience um, is distinct from coping. We often use coping strategies to get through or to numb out following a trauma. Coping has its own utility, but growth comes from eventually addressing the trauma, uh, the uh, healing, and the resilience. Uh, so here it talks about group process. It talks about individual work um, and, again, other great resources. And the reason I wanted to go over this is to show you the you know, when people are asking for for actions, when people are asking for changes, I mean, I think people are right. Like, you know, when people are asking, you know, we, we want to see more than just statements. We want to see more than just, just, you know, social media posts. And I think that people are right. Like, yes, 100%. Um, but sometimes, like, you know, what, what does that change look like? Uh, what are these actions that... We need to take, um, and, and how do we how do we go about this? And uh, so, so the reason that I wanted to show you, um, or I guess share with you um, about what Black Lives Matter does, um, 
and how they organize their action helps give us insight into how we as individuals and chapters can start to develop action steps, how we can go through that action. Uh, so how to prepare for that action, how to go through and um, execute those actions um, and what that uh, follow through or follow up looks like. Um, so again, this is an episode that I did not plan, um, did not probably did not articulate very well either. Um, something that I just wanted and I felt was just very important to share with you all. And this may fall on deaf ears and, and I think that's okay. Um, because we're not going to change everyone's minds immediately. It is, you know, like um, Carr, the author, had, had mentioned, uh, allyship is a process. Um, it's a process for those of us who are engaged in the work to keep fighting a good fight. It's, in, it's, a, it's a constant process for those who may not um, have a full understanding yet and uh, may be resistant to it. So... With, with all that being said, I hope that this episode has given some insights into one, into what has what has taken place so far from the National Council, um, what the statements have been, what our promises are, and where you can find these resources. That's one thing. Second thing is how to be an ally. Being an ally sometimes may not seem as direct because there's not these uh, big gestures, these big posts. Um, it's really based on these small actions that you do each and every day. The third thing is how to take action effectively based on the Black Lives Matter uh, you know, chapter resources. So really those are the three things that I hope to give you some insight into, um, of course, you know, there's always more learning that we could and should do. Um, but I just wanted to end on, on this note that this is a human rights issue. And to our brothers and sisters of the black and African American community, I just wanted to, to share that we are with you. We hear you. And we see you. And while it, this, these actions and changes took way too long, there's a lot of work to do. It's, it's worth it because if our org organization is not looking out and protecting members of our all members of our, our organization then I don't know what it is that we're doing and if there are members in our organization that feel unsafe, that feel unheard that feel like they don't matter I question what is it that we are doing and the priority right now is to provide not only change, positive change, and not only action, but also a place of healing, a place of 
a place that you can call home, a place that you can feel safe. So to all of our black brothers and sisters out there, I just want you to know that your voice matters, your concerns matter, your lives matter, black lives matter. As always, I just wanted to say thank you for taking the time to tune in today. Thank you to everyone who helped make this episode possible. And just much love to you all. Thank you.